you know, when you fire a coach, it is a failure on the organization because you're the one that hired him. And when you fire him in season, it looks even worse. He was just like the fifth coach since the NFL AFL merger to be fired during his very first season as a head coach. And it reflects poorly on George Payton. We're about a week away now from what will be the start of a massive head coaching search for the Denver Broncos, spearheaded by George Payton, who got it wrong last offseason, and pressure's going to be on this time. We have some thoughts coming up on the type of coach we think the Broncos could be targeting this go-round. But first and foremost, our thoughts right now are with Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin, the family of DeMar Hamlin, the Bills, the Bengals, everyone involved on Monday night. With that being said, it's the Broncos Wire podcast. Welcome to the show. Ryan O'Leary here, joined as always by John Heath, the managing editor of USA Today's Broncos Wire. John, Happy New Year, my friend. I hope all's well with you and the family. Happy New Year to you too, Ryan. Happy New Year to Broncos Wire's listeners. Thank you guys for sticking with us in this rough season. Hopefully better things are ahead for the Broncos in 2023. Yeah, and we'll be talking about 2023 soon enough. we got one more week of this thing, John. And uh, as folks who listen to the show know, we usually keep it pretty light on the program. Uh, you know, and, and that's kind of what we'll continue to do. But I just want to say right off the top, we are recording here early in the week. What happened during the Monday night football game to DeMar Hamlin was just horrifying. Uh, I don't know how else to put it, John. Uh, I'm, I'm glad they ultimately canceled the game and they're, and they're not going to resume it this week, which I think is the right call. Uh, I still don't know how you can play football when someone's life is like hanging in the balance there, a player's life like you just can't. Um, so I'm glad that that's happening. And that's where the focus of the NFL world continues to be, right? If you look all over on TV, social media, internet, whatever, the focus of the NFL world continues to be on DeMar Hamlin. We're all kind of clinging to updates, just hoping that he's improving, right? That, and hoping that he wakes up, John. That's kind of what I've been doing since last night. Just like I keep, che- I barely knew who DeMar Hamlin was, to be honest with you. Um, and now I can't stop refreshing Twitter trying to see if you know there's an update and he's improving, right? If he if he's waking up or whatever. Yeah. So it's been a it's been a rough like twenty four hours or whatever it's been since that Monday night game, um, but I just want to start off the show saying that like that's where the focus of the NFL world is, and that's that's a top of mind for us as well as we do the Broncos show this week. Yeah, we just I'm continuing to hope and pray that, like you said, that he wakes up, that he's going to be okay, just that he lives. You know, who cares about football right now? Like I, I'm with you. Like he's on the top of all of our minds. Okay, so with that said, we'll, we'll move on with what we had planned for the program. We have a lot to get to because we did not record during the holiday week there, John. So we get back. Now we have to talk about Nathaniel Hackett, uh, who is out as Broncos head coach. That's obviously uh, well-known news to Broncos fans at this point, but we're going to cover it now. And boy, John, just that was a tough, tough game on Christmas Day, the way the Broncos <laughs> looked against the Rams. And I was very worried about Hackett. Uh, not only because of the way that game was playing out against the Rams, but because of the goatee. Uh, when I saw the goatee uh, that Hackett was rocking in that game, I, I thought, you, you said it you, you said it best before we started recording. You said it was a midlife crisis. <laughs> That's exactly right. I was like, that looks like a man who knows his time is running out as head coach of the Broncos. And as that game played out against the Rams, I kind of knew what was coming. I didn't think he was going to make it to the end, and, and he didn't. But I, I was worried about him as soon as I saw the goatee, John. I said, uh-oh, it's, it's not good for Hackett. Yeah, we had been talking for weeks that we expected him to be fired at the end of the season, and we just didn't expect it to happen during the season. But Christmas Day was just so bad. That Rams game was so awful. I think it kind of forced the owner's hands 
Like I assume they were planning to do it, you know, on Black Monday after week 18. But that showing was just so unacceptable. They had to step in and just say, you know, like, we have to do something now. It, it was that bad that they had to take action then. And Hackett, like, he's a nice guy. He seems like a very nice guy, a nice family guy. You know, he seems like a player's coach, like players like him. I think that maybe he's more cut out to be like a quarterback's coach or an offensive coordinator. Like, because uh, I don't know. It's, it's, there, there's debate over a player's coach. Like how successful can that be at the highest level? I think it can be. I don't think just in of itself, that's what held him back. But I just think he wants in ready to be a head coach. And early in, you caught it earlier in the season with, you know, half joking saying hack it, can't hack it. He just, nice guy, a nice players coach, but he just wants in ready to be a head coach in the NFL. Nope, there's no doubt about it now. Um, and, and I, just looking at the uh, the Broncos side of this, making the decision now, John, it's, it's not easy to do it. It's not easy to do what they're doing. It's not easy to wave the white flag on a head coach you just hired during the first season, like when the season's not even over. Because when you do that, John, doesn't that doesn't only represent the coach's performance, which has to be like dreadful, but it also signals a massive failure by the entire organization, right? Like nothing sets an organization back more than constantly rotating in coaches and coordinators, right? The goal is obviously to do the opposite. The goal has to be now to get a coach in here and a system in place that works. And then you can like, promote from within. So when someone like Ajiro Evero starts getting head coaching opportunities and leaves and you need a new defensive coordinator, you promote your linebackers coach or whatever. You know what I mean? And you don't have to change yeah. the terminology or the style or anything. It's this constant revolving door of co- coordinators and head coaches and different visions and let's change this and let's it, whatever. That is just constantly getting you back to square one and not you're not going to go anywhere if you're doing that. And I just think they have to get that fixed obviously. And they have to do it now because if they're going to get any returns out of this major investment in Russell Wilson, they have to figure out this coach and pair him with the right coach and get a system in place and start promoting from within and stop the revolving doors of coordinators and head coaches. I just think the time is now for George Payton. It sounds like he's going to continue. I don't think he should be fired. I think he should get another shot at it. I think he's a good uh, GM, but the pressure's on him and it's, it's your move now, George. Like You need to get this right. You can't screw it up again. He's got to get the guy. And we'll talk about maybe who, who that guy could be, John. But I just think, boy, it says a lot about the Broncos organization that they made the move in season, doesn't it? Yeah, and that's right at the end there. You went exactly to who I was going to go to when you're talking about how this looks like. You know, when you fire a coach, it is a failure on the organization because you're the one that hired him. And when you fire him in season, it looks even worse. He was just like the fifth coach since the NFL AFL merger to be fired during his very first season as a head coach. And it reflects poorly on George Payton because George Payton was largely involved. This new ownership group came in after Nathaniel Hackett was hired. So Nathaniel Hackett's not their mess. They're not the ones that caused that. Whereas George Payton, he was part of that. And like you said, the owners backed Peyton. The, Greg Penner, he's the co-owner and the CEO, basically the acting majority owner. Um, he, he backed Peyton. He said that you know he's going to lean on him and that Peyton's going to be part of the head coach search. So Peyton is still very involved. But you have to think, you know, this new ownership group, they were quick to say this coach is not good enough. He's out even before this season ended. I think if next year, you know, if this offseason doesn't go well, and if next year the Broncos take a, a don't take a step forward, I think they would also be quick to say, okay, George Payton, 
you know, we gave you a run. We gave you an extended run. You know, we didn't blame 2022 on you. We gave you another shot. If it's not good enough, I think just like Hackett, I think this new ownership group would also move on from Peyton. So that's something to keep an eye on. And I'm with you. Like Peyton and Peyton and Penner, you know, that's a mouthful. They got to get it right this time. And like you said, it, it would be great. Evero, I think he's going to get head coach interviews, but I kind of doubt he's going to get a head coach job this offseason. It would be great in my mind if the team's next head coach can keep him on as defensive coordinator and then you have some continuity. And I, like you're saying, it's so important in the NFL to have some continuity in your coaching staff, in your scheme. If you can just get a great core together, and like you said, when they move on, you can promote from within. That's really the goal you got to go for. And they got to nail this next head coach because, you know, since Gary Kubiak retired for health reasons, they've just been kind of in a downward spiral. And we'll get in more to specific candidates a little later. But I think that, you know, they said that they're not going to rule out inexperienced candidates. But, and I'm sure they're going to interview inexperienced candidates. But when it comes down to it, I really have a strong feeling that they're going to favor guys that do have experience. Because right after Gary Kubiak left, they went to Vance Joseph, first-time head coach, did not work out. Uh, you know, Vic Fangio, first-time head coach, did not work out. Nathaniel Hackett, first-time head coach, did not work out. And Gary Kubiak, who was before them, he was a retread head coach, and he took them to Super Bowl. And so I think they're going to want to get back to that, get back to an experienced guy who can turn them turn the organization around and get things back on track. And then hopefully he, you know, inherits some staff that includes guys like Evero and also brings in some of his own staff. And then hopefully from there, the Broncos can go forward. Even, you know, say if it's like an older coach, who's not going to coach forever, maybe when he retires or whatever, or moves on or inevitably everyone eventually gets fired unless they step away. You know, hopefully they have someone in place. Do you kind of kind of start to do promoting from within, like you said? I think that's a really great point, John. Like, let's not let's stop doing the first time head coach that's going to come in here with all these big ideas that I'm sure he sold. Sure, Hackett sold George Payton on all these great ideas he had, but then ultimately he brings in his guys from Green Bay uh, and Jacksonville and guys that he knew and trusted and knew he could, uh, you know, he could be the main man in. He's never been the main man before, and he brought in his boys, and it didn't work out. And it was jarring as we now talk about Jerry Rosberg, who was named the interim head coach, and I think fans have. Really, uh, they've they've liked what Jerry's done so far since he stepped in. Now it's ironic that he was that Rosberg was only brought in to help Hackett with game mm-hmm. management during the year. That's a little interesting. And now he's the interim head coach. That's that's interesting. Uh, that's not how it's supposed to work out. But the fact that he comes in and immediately makes changes, right? Uh, benching guys, firing guys. He fires the special teams coordinator. Dwayne Stukes. He also fires the offensive line coach, right? He takes, he changes the offensive play caller. He just comes in and says, boom, 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 I'm making these changes. And it just felt like, to me, John, like an adult <laughs> into the room. I don't know. It's just like, not to pile on Hackett too bad here, uh, because I am worried about him when, since I've seen the goatee. I, I, I do mean that. I am worried <laughs> about Hackett. Uh, but it's just like, man, it just felt like an adult came in. He knew what to do. Boom, boom, boom. I'm going to make these moves for the short term. And what do you know? It looked pretty good against the Chiefs. I don't know. Uh, it yeah. sounded right. It's looked right. It's looked better. I don't know. Jerry Rosberg has been uh, a breath of fresh air for a couple weeks for Broncos fans, and it's 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 uh, telling. 
Yeah, I I agree. I think he's completely been a breath of fresh air. And just like you said, Hackett brought in his guys, which is fine. Every head coach is going to have his guys he wants on his staff. But it can cause some issues then when they're not performing and those guys need to be fired. It's tough to do it when it's your boys, like you said. And I think Hackett could not do that. And as soon as he's out, Rosberg is a guy who knows it's not good enough. And he, he didn't have... You know, the same kind of emotional attachment, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it just allowed Rosberg to immediately say, you know, you're, you have your job. It's not been good enough. You're out. And that's the kind of ability the Broncos, they didn't have. And it's the kind of stuff they needed. And even like, not just the coaching changes, like Montreal, Washington, I, you know, I want him to work out. You know, he's like a fifth round pick. I don't want him to be a bust. Like I want to work out, but he just hasn't been good enough. And the Broncos special teams coordinator, he didn't bench him. Nathaniel Hackett, he didn't bench him. Rosberg, you know, he was a special teams coordinator for like 10 years in Baltimore, a very good special teams coordinator. Right away, he benches Montreal Washington. And and that's like another example. It's like you they needed to take action. There needed to be accountability. There needed to be changes. And Hackett was just, it seemed like he was too slow to make them. And a, a change that Rosberg made that I was not expecting and was kind of surprised at, like you said, he changed the offensive play caller. He took it from Gary Kubiak, or excuse me, not Gary Kubiak, Clint Kubiak, and he gave it to Justin Allen. And I was very surprised about that because I thought over the last few weeks, Kubiak had done a really good job. And I thought it was really telling when Nathaniel Hackett gave up play calling, he didn't give it to his boy, Justin Outen, who he brought with him from Green Bay. He gave it to Kubiak. To me, that seemed like at the time it was not ref- a good reflection on Outen and Hackett's confidence in him to call plays well. And so when Rosberg comes in and switches it from Kubiak to Outen, I was like, well, that's surprising. Right, well, why in the world do you do that? And then later after the game, he explained it. And he said he wanted Justin Allen up in the booth calling plays because he wants the play caller to be to have that vantage point to call plays. And that's where Kubiak had been calling plays. And he said because Clint Kubiak is the quarterback's coach, he wanted him on the sideline talking with Russell Wilson because he wants the quarterback's coach to be right there with the quarterback and to have that quarterback's coach-quarterback relationship that he says you need. And to me, I was like, well, that's perfectly sound reasoning. Like even if Kubiak – has done a good job. He can't be in the booth calling plays and down on the field in Russell Wilson's ear helping out Russell. So uh, I thought the logic was sound, and I can't argue with the results. They scored 24 points, which isn't amazing, but that was only the, I think it was the third, maybe fourth time that they've scored that many points this season. So, and, and like special teams was good. You know, special teams, they create a turnover on special teams. They didn't have any disasters of their own on special teams. And you would expect that with him being a special teams guy. But, you know, the offense was still good again. The uh, Or, excuse me, the defense was good, like it mostly has been this season. The offense was good again after a complete meltdown on Christmas Day. So, like you said, he just came in. He made changes that need to be made. And immediately there were results. And, I, you know, I think he does, he's done a good enough job. We don't know how the season finale is going to go, but just an extremely short sample size of one week. He said all the right things. You know, he's made smart decisions. I think he's done enough to get an interview for the head coach job. And I don't, I don't think he's going to get it. I don't necessarily think he needs to get it. Like, I, I'm not calling for him to be the head coach, but I would like him to be on staff. I, I think he's done – yeah, you know, even though they lost, like it's tough to beat the Chiefs, and they were in that game. They had a chance. I thought he did a great job putting them in position to give them a chance to win that game. I think he said he has said all the right things. He's made smart changes. You know, even if it's just as like a senior advisor again, I hope that the next coach 
gives him an opportunity to stay on staff if he wants to. He's getting a little bit older. He's getting closer to 70. So I don't know if he would want to be a special teams coordinator again because he he did that for like a decade. And then he retired from the NFL and George Payton talked him into coming back because Nathaniel Hackett was struggling so much. So I don't know if he really wants to have a huge role, but if he wants just some kind of role, I kind of hope the Broncos offer it to him. Yeah, I'd be down with that. I mean, the changes he made, John, they weren't like, they were easy to to understand as a fan, right? It's like, no, no, no. I want my offensive coordinator calling the plays and my quarterback's coach with the quarterback. It's like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like these outlandish moves he made. And he's like, you're not performing well enough. Bye. You're, you're, you're benched. You're fired. I mean, that's, that's what you have to do. Those are the tough decisions that coaches have to make. And yeah, time and time again, Nathaniel Hackett just dragging his feet on some of these things saying, no, we're just going to, we're just going to up the communication. We're going to keep working at it. We're going to keep drilling. That's what he would keep saying. And it's just like, man, week after week after week, nothing changes. Uh, changes have happened now in the last couple of weeks for the Broncos. And hopefully we're, we're moving in the right direction. I don't personally, I don't, I don't think Rosberg should be the head coach of the Broncos in 2023, but I just appreciate the obvious change in, in pace he's brought in a couple weeks time, John. And I, I am with you. If he can hang on with the organization and stay in some type of role next year with the new coach, uh, I'd be down for that because I do think there are a lot of uh, it's there's a lot of candidates out there that are interesting. You have a big list of candidates coming on Broncos wire. I think it's got to be posted by the time this podcast publishes, John. Uh, and we're going to talk about some of them in a minute here. But like, just answer this question for me. Are the Broncos an attractive job for uh, somebody like, I don't know, Sean Payton's the name that keeps getting thrown around everywhere, right? We're all wondering where Sean Payton going to end up. Well, Talk about a guy that would come in and have a you know a stabilizing force, right? And like know what he's doing and cr- create a system and create uh, a culture. And now you're you're onto something. I mean, I think that would be a good thing. But like, would someone like Sean Payton want to come to Denver? Is the situation such that a coach should want to come to Denver, John? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's an attractive job that has drawbacks, and I think probably almost every opening will have some drawbacks. And I, I think. You know, not to dump on Russell Wilson, but I think he is one of the biggest drawbacks right now. It's how confident is the coach in his ability to kind of turn Russell Wilson around and get the best out of Russell Wilson? And just watching the film, does he think Russell Wilson's fixable? Because if he doesn't think Wilson's fixable and he doesn't think he can necessarily win with Wilson, he's not going to want to take the job because the Broncos basically have to be committed to Wilson for one more year, probably. I I say have to be, they don't have to be, but. With the salary cap, with the dead money that it would take, it would be easiest for them to stick with him for at least one more year. So is a coach willing to go through one more year? That might be another bad year if Wilson and Dunson turn around in 2023. I, I don't know. I don't know how big of a drawback that will be. The, the one nice thing to it is if Wilson is awful in 2023 and if, you know, the ownership assures you like, you know, that's not your problem. You know, the first year will kind of be a give you year. And then, you know, we expect results in year two kind of thing. If next year is awful, if Wilson can't get turned around, they will have their original first round pick in 2024. So if, you know, if they go, you know, four win season again, if Russell Wilson has, you know, back to back terrible seasons, they can use their high first round pick in 2024 on whatever quarterback that, you know, hypothetical coach prefers. So he's a drawback, but it's also, you know, there is some uh, silver lining to it. If he is awful, you will get a high draft pick. And they do have a first round pick this year, 
But you just mentioned Sean Payton. Like, if it takes a first-round pick to acquire Sean Payton, does he want to come into a team that then only has four draft picks this year and no pick in the first round? I don't know, especially after he just left the Saints in part. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm completely speculating. But I think he left them in part because, you know, the salary cap mess that they were in, not having, you know, with Drew Brees retiring, they, the Saints are just kind of ran into a mess. And right now the Broncos have a bit of a mess. I don't know if he'd want to come into something like that. And George Payton, too, you know, I like what he's done at, uh, drafting guys and to an extent signing guys. Like right now, we don't know because it's only been one season, but at this moment, Randy Gregory doesn't seem like a great signing. So, and, and George Payton, he traded a bunch of picks. He traded multiple players for Russell Wilson. And then George Payton had a hand in giving Russell Wilson a huge extension. So, does the new head coach, does he have confidence in George Payton? That's another thing. So Wilson and Payton, it's just a matter of does a coach think Payton will get it turned around? And does the coach think that Wilson can be fixed? Or is he okay with his first season, you know, kind of being a wash and then getting a redo in his second year? Because there is a risk, you know, if the coach can't fix Russell Wilson, what's going to stop the owners from firing him after his first season, just like Nathaniel Hackett was? So, I, I think they're attractive in that the owners are by far the richest in the NFL and they're going to give the, this coach is going to be well paid. I can tell you right now, he's going to be a very well paid coach and the Broncos are going to give him all kinds of resources and the ownership will give him all kinds of help to, you know, do what he needs to do to improve the team. The ownership is going to back him and give him all kinds of resources, but you only have a limited salary cap. You know, there's no salary cap for how much a coach will be played, but the salary cap for the players the coach could run into that, especially if we're talking about how do we move on from Russell Wilson at some point. He's a huge deterrent to that. So it just it remains to be seen. I, I really think a huge part of it is going to be how confident is this next coach in his ability to you know fix Russell Wilson. Yeah, we were we were hoping that the Walmart money would help the Broncos in some fashion, John. Right, so the Walmart <laughs> money might help in terms of this next head coach. And yeah, I'm. You know, just as a fan, I'm hoping that the new coach is one that could come in and create a healthy situation and marriage with Wilson and get that thing right and unlock what we saw with him in his glory days in Seattle and prove that he's not washed and that the Broncos didn't just give away so much value for him in terms of I'm not really worried about the money you know, as much as the draft picks, all the value they gave up, the players they gave up for Russell Wilson. I hope that doesn't end up being wasted. Uh, so I'm hoping that he can turn it around uh, and and they can pair him with a coach that can help him succeed. I think Sean Payton could be, he could make a lot of sense. I think Sean Payton could work with a lot of guys. But Sean Payton, John, if you read, if you if you believe everything you read on the internet, and I try not to do that, but it sounds like, well, number one, as you said, it would take a first round pick to acquire him. He's believed to want uh, Vic Fangio as his defensive coordinator. So good luck with that. I don't think Vic wants to come back to Denver. Who knows? But I doubt it. Uh, and uh, it's also been said that he wants Tom Brady as his quarterback. So, I mean, I don't know. The Sean Payton thing, do you, before we start talking about your favorite candidates, um, because again, you have this long list that you've been working on for Broncos Wire, but you you want an experienced guy. So you're going to be weeding out some of the inexperienced head coaches, right? You're going to be gravitating towards the more experienced guys after these three failed um, experiences we've had with inexperienced head coaches. I just said experienced 17 That's times in one sentence. Yeah, <laughs> I said I said experiences 17 times in one sentence, but stick with me here, John. Sean Payton, is there any realistic shot that he ends up with the Broncos? I think there's a shot because uh, 
Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, all these big national, you know, NFL insiders have been hyping up about how much the ownership group is willing to do whatever it takes and how they're willing to, you know, pay big money for a coach and how they're willing to or, and want to make a splash. And Sean Payton is exactly the kind of guy that would make a splash. And there's been a, I'm curious what you think about this, Ryan, especially from a more neutral perspective. There's been a lot of talk among Broncos fans of would it be worth trading a first round pick for him? And I understand a lot of fans, you know, just right off the bat, won't even consider that, especially all the picks they gave up for Russell Wilson. But to me, I would consider it because, you know, this first round pick they have from the 49ers, we've talked about it. This first round pick is going to be low in the first round. And it's still a first round pick and it's still nice to have. But like we said earlier in the podcast, you have to get this higher right. And if they are convinced that Sean Payton is the top guy and the right guy, and if you know they're convinced that he's going to turn this franchise around, he's going to fix the offense, he's a competent coach, he's an experienced coach, he's a Super Bowl winning coach, if they are confident that he is the right guy for the job without a doubt, I'm okay with giving up your first round pick this year because you'll be back to having your own first round pick in 2024. And like I said, this year with Russell Wilson, it's kind of a wash because if Sean Payton can fix him, awesome. If Sean Payton can't fix Russell Wilson, then next year Sean Payton can draft his favorite quarterback prospect early in the first round. So I'd be okay with one year eating a first-round pick because it's not like they have a ton of draft capital this year anyway. Uh, I'd be okay with it if they're convinced he's a guy. And is he – you know, are they convinced he's a guy? I don't know. And like we said before, would he even want to go to Denver? I don't know. I think if he did, if the mutuals, if the interest was mutual, I think like you said, Vic Fangio, he's probably going to end up somewhere else. I highly doubt he'd be willing to come back to Denver. But I, I have him number two on my list of people to watch for just because he's such a big name and there's been talk of the owners wanting to go big. And, you know, he's definitely someone to watch, whether it's realistic or not. I don't know. I think we'll find out in a few weeks. Is he is there talk of the Broncos talking with the Saints and talking with him? Yeah, just to answer that question, would I do it for Sean Payton? Reluctantly, yes. I, I think I, I would hate to give up that first round pick that, that we got back this year. But um, Sean Payton just... I feel like he's the perfect guy to kind of close the revolving door, you know, to like stabilize and come in and have a plan and know what to do to get things back on track and, and be a winning franchise again. So I think Sean Payton's the perfect kind of name. But having said that, John, say they're in on Sean Payton, there's mutual in- interest, there's other teams involved, they're working on a deal, they can't figure it out, and somebody gives up too much for Sean Payton, right? You know, backs up even more picks and Sean Payton goes elsewhere. I wouldn't be that upset. As a, if yeah. I'm a Broncos fan, because I think there's great candidates out there. I, don't, I think that's why the fans are, are pushing back against giving up the first round pick is because I think there's a lot of there's a lot of attractive names in this head coaching cycle that are, that are going to be available. And, you know, you could go right down the list. There's been all these guys. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of first year head coaches that are going to be really attractive too, John. I know you're you're a little nervous about that. I don't blame you, but. D'Amico Ryan's from the 49ers, you know, guys like this. I mean, there are going to be some stud coaches uh, and some young ones. And there's also some older guys. Dan Quinn's a guy that we've talked about plenty on the podcast, right? He was a finalist last year, decided to go back to Dallas. Unfortunately, Dan Quinn would have done a better job this year. Frank Reich, we talked about him immediately when he was fired by the Colts this year, right? We said, maybe they should just hire Frank Reich right now. Get him him in the building somehow. 
So there's a few different guys. Sean Payton's on the list as well. Some of these older veteran guys, retread head coaches. Who's your fa- who's, who's your number one splash coach, though, John, that, that you think would be the number one splash? I'll get to that, but just to tease it out a little bit farther, real quick to go back. I, I'm not personally myself totally opposed to an inexperienced guy because, like you're saying, there's some young, inexperienced coordinators coming up that I think you know have very promising futures, and I'm not necessarily opposed to that. I just, even though the Broncos have said they're not ruling them out, I just don't believe them. And I, I might be dead wrong, but I just can't believe after the last three coaches how bad it went with them. I just can't believe the Broncos running it back. And it, it is a new ownership group, but I just think they they want someone, I'm just assuming that they're going to want someone proven who's not you know learning on the job, kind of like Nathaniel Hackett. I think they want someone that has the resume. He's been there. He's done that. And it's not it's not John Heath's preference. Like I, I you know, I, actually maybe I would prefer it, but it, I'm not ruling it out. I'm not ruling out inexperienced guys. I just think that the team, I can't see them doing it again. I think they're going to prefer experienced guys. And to me, the guy that's at the top of the list that has experience is Jim Harbaugh. And he went 44-19 and one tie, 44 wins, 19 losses, one tie in the NFL with the San Francisco 49ers. I think he won the division three times in four seasons, and he reached a Super Bowl with them. Uh, right now he's at Michigan, but the Broncos, it would not take, you know, the ownership group. It's buying out his contract. That's nothing to them. And they probably have to give him a huge contract, a huge raise from what he gets at Michigan. That that's irrelevant with the ownership group the Broncos have. The money is not a problem paying him at all. And a plus, you don't have to trade draft picks to acquire him like you would for Sean Payton. So I think you know Dan Quinn, I think he's an interesting guy, but I don't think he'd really be a splash. He wouldn't be a splash like Sean Payton and Jim Harbaugh would be. And I think this ownership group does want to make a splash. And I think they need someone like that to turn around the franchise. And another thing with Harbaugh, he has a deep Stanford connection just like Broncos minority owner Condoleezza Rice, and she's going to be involved in the head coach search. Greg Penner says she's going to be involved in the search. So that's a really big connection in my mind. That's something to keep in mind as well. So to me, he's the front runner. And in December, he said he wasn't considering going back to the NFL. But, you know, college coaches saying stuff like that, I don't really read much into that at all especially because Michigan has recruiting and everything going on. They don't want their coach saying, oh, you know, I might be leaving after this season. So I don't put much stock into him saying he's not considering leaving Michigan. And, you know, The Athletic even reported recently that if he gets a head coach offer from the NFL, he's going to take it. And, you know, we'll see if that's true or not. But I think there's dots there. I think his NFL resume is very impressive. I think, you know, he's a veteran guy. He's been there. He's done that. I think that will be attractive. And even though it would cost a lot to pay him, I don't think that's a problem at all. I think the Broncos, they, you know, they're the richest owner group in the NFL by far. I think they'd be more than willing to pay him a monster contract. And, and even better for Harbaugh, John, is I think, I think Harbaugh might get his khaki pants at Walmart. I think he may, or does he shop at Kmart? <laughs> <laughs> he does, I saw a story, it was years ago. He, used, he has these ugly khaki pants he wears all the time on the sideline. He gets them at like Kmart. So he could just start getting those at Walmart. They can work that into the contract. No, I mean, Harbaugh would be the splash, right? He would be the splash. Sean Payton would be the splash. Uh, guys like Dan Quinn, Frank Reich, I think that makes a lot of sense. And another reason why, John, and I almost tried to cut you off there, but you were just on you were on fire, so I didn't do it. But you got to put into you got to 
throw into this here. George Payton, he might be scarred. This is his, his job's on the line now with this next decision. Is he going to want to take yeah. another shot at an inexperienced yeah. coach? That factors in here. You know what I mean? It does. Yeah. He might be more inclined to go with a guy that has a track record that he can trust after this just absolute disaster from Nathaniel Hackett. Because if I'm George Payton, I got to wonder what I'm hearing in that interview room. Like, I'm sure Hackett, yeah. like I've said before, could get up on a whiteboard and blow you away with all his knowledge and, and everything he's going to do. That doesn't mean he's a great leader. That doesn't mean he knows how to be a head coach and manage all three phases and, and the coaches and the players and, and the game plan and the play calling and all of the things that he was trying to do at the beginning of the year. Uh, it just doesn't mean he's ready. But I'm sure he can blow you away at a whiteboard. So George Payton might be scarred from that. And we might that might be another reason we see a higher like Harbaugh, Payton with the big splashes, or a Frank Reich or a Dan Quinn. Um, but yeah, everybody should definitely be checking out uh, John's article, long list of candidates that Denver uh, could be could be looking at here over the next couple of weeks as they begin another head coaching search. Oh God, John, here we go again. Uh, we have one more game left, though, so let's end it here, John. We close out the season mercifully with the Chargers. The Broncos are uh, a home underdog as they've been off in this season. I think it's three and a half or four points now. Has it moved to four, John? We we talked about this before we started recording, but I'm so unprofessional, I can't remember. Last check, it was three and a half. Okay, three and a half as at time of recording. Uh, I, I guess my question for you, John, if you know, um, what is the ch- what's the Chargers situation here? Are they going to be resting their starters? I know they. I don't think they can drop lower than six. So uh, I, I don't know how far they can drop. I don't think they can go much higher. They can't go higher than five. So the question is, are they going to be playing Justin Herbert for the entire game? Guys like Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, these guys are very important for them in the playoffs. And these are guys that get hurt quite a bit. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams seem like they're always on the injury report with nagging injuries, right? So they might want to make sure those guys are healthy going into the playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised if they rest some starters. So when you're approaching this from a betting perspective, that can get a little... That can get a little uh, that can get a little hairy, right? And not to mention, Denver looked pretty good last week, and maybe they play a good ball game at home here to close out the season. We know they're not trying to lose, not like yeah. they're trying to get a good draft pick or anything. They're going to try to win the game. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know why, but I don't really trust the Chargers and how they might approach this game. And I almost want to take the points at home at three and a half with Denver, uh, yeah. based on how they looked against the Chiefs. But what are you thinking? Yeah, I think it's a very, very dicey game to try to predict because, like you said, there's the uncertainty. They, their coach did come out and say that they're not planning, or at least strongly implied, they're not strong, planning to rest their starters. And he said they want to win, and he said they want the fifth seed. And it, it is, it's only a difference of the fifth seed or the sixth seed, like you said. So to me, that's not really a big deal. So I, you know, I don't know if I'd want to risk my starters, and especially as you noted, like, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, do you really want them out there? You know, maybe they'll start, but are they really going to play the whole game? And is it really worth the risk, just the fifth or the sixth seed? So that's that's something that's basically impossible to predict. I don't know how that's going to go. And then from the Broncos' perspective, like you said, I think they've kind of gotten, you know, a little bit of an interim coach boost from Jerry Rossberg. I, I thought they played great against the Chiefs. 
And now they're back at home, you know, their final home game of the season. It, it's been a really disappointing season. A lot of these guys are playing for jobs. You know, they're coming up on free agency. And if not with the Broncos, they want to put on good film for someone else to, you know, look at the tape and say, oh, that's a good player. I want to sign him or the Broncos, you know, we want to give him an extension. So there's plenty to play for. And I think they, you know, they kind of want to prove, you know, this year there was a ton of injuries and, you know, there was different circumstances going on that, you know, that kind of hurt them. And they want to show, you know, the record does not reflect how good this team is. And I think they kind of showed that a little bit against the Chiefs because they play the Chiefs twice and play them close two times. Like, uh, you know, one time, maybe one week, uh, just a fluky team, a bad team plays well. But I don't think you play two tight games against the Chiefs and, you know, give them all they can handle and, and be a terrible team. I don't think the Broncos are a terrible team. I think they've had a terrible season. And they haven't played up to expectations, but they have the talent. And we saw last week, you know, when it comes together a little bit, these guys can play. And I think they're going to show up and want to end the season on a strong note. And the Chargers, you know, they say they're playing their starters. But, you know, as you said, will they play the whole game? I don't know. So I, I'm with you that I think I would pick the Broncos to, to hit the three and a half. Maybe they won't win it, but, <laughs> yeah. you know. You, you are getting those it, points, right? So that, yeah, that's one reason to do it. I will say this though, John, because you know we mentioned the Demar Hamlin situation at the top of the show, and we don't know when the Bills and Bengals are going to resume that game. We don't know if they're going to resume that game, right? I mean, how do you? They're not playing this week, so this weekend is Week 18, so that's the last week of the regular season. So I, the only I've seen something on social media that maybe they do uh, an extra week just for the Bills and Bengals to play their game. So and the, push the and then back. push the playoffs back and then eliminate that week before the Super Bowl, um, the week off, and just I guess nobody watches the Pro Bowl, <laughs> which is normal, <laughs> right? So I I think I can see that being that could be a thing, but then we kind of go a whole week without football. We only have one game for a week. That would be different. That would be weird. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is a obviously a a situation that we've never come across before. Uh, but yeah. if you're the Chargers, if you get to the five seed, you're going to play Jacksonville. Or you're going to play the winner of that comp. Like you're going to play Jacksonville, Tennessee. Whoever wins that game this weekend. If you're the sixth seed, you're going to play Kansas City, Buffalo, or the, or the Bengals. Whatever team ends up being the three seed, right? So there might be some incentive for the Chargers to go ahead and get down, lock lock down yeah. that five seed. I'd rather play the Jaguars at home, yeah. uh, or ja- the Jaguars on the road. I'm sorry, than have to go to Cincinnati. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there yeah. there might be uh, incentive for the Chargers to go ahead and, and try to win this game and. and throw all their starters out there and go for it. So that's another, just a little wrinkle that we should probably throw in there. That, that's probably should be weighing on your mind if you're betting this game. But if you're a diehard Broncos fan, you want to put a little juice on this one and you like betting on your phone and you live in Colorado, which is you could do whatever you want in Colorado, John, are there any laws in Colorado? I don't even know. Um, you could definitely sports bet there. You want to put a little wager on the Broncos. I, I'd put a small wager on the Broncos and take those points. I don't mind it at all. Not at all. So so there that is, John. So I guess we'll go back to refreshing Twitter and, and hoping that uh, and going back to hoping Damar Hamlin, um, you know, makes a speedy recovery. Right. That's that's yeah, that's where absolutely. we go now. <laughs> that's what we do. Uh, but what else are you working on on Broncos wire right now? We're ramping up a little bit for this Chargers game, but really we're kind of starting to turn attention to the offseason as soon as the final standings come in for the divisions at the end of week 18. 
We'll know all the Broncos opponents for next season. We already know who their upcoming free agents are. And as you said, this big coach candidate article is about to publish. So we're going to be talking coaches. We're going to be talking, you know, draft picks. It'll take a little while to know where the 49ers end up. But free agents, that kind of things, we're, we're starting it starting to get into off-season mode, but we do have one more game here to wrap up just before we go full swing into it. Well, we thought when uh, this this kid named Brock Purdy took over as the 49ers uh, quarterback, John, we thought that draft pick might it might get more lucrative as the season goes on, but I don't. the 49ers, they, they will not lose. They just yeah. refuse to lose over there, the 49ers. They have done us no favors, and uh, ne- neither has Brock Purdy, but it'll be interesting to see how Week 18 plays out. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Bills-Bengals if that game does resume. Um, I applaud the NFL for not resuming it this week, but I, I, oh, just, yeah. I, know, I don't yeah. know. It's interesting that that game might not get played, and then maybe if that doesn't get played, maybe the Chiefs end up as the one seed because of that. That would be, yeah, that, that would be crazy. Wow. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with Broncos-Chargers here to close out the year. And then, John, we'll be back next week to... Uh, Start looking ahead to the offseason and a, a really, really important coaching search. So and that, that could start right away next week, right? Yep, yep. So, so that's what we'll be doing. We hope you all had a great new year. We wish you all the best. Thanks for uh, listening to the program this week, and we'll catch you next time. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.